This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We got Harvey. We've got Chantel. They're producing the program tonight. Get me on the old X at Dan Grosser, G-R-A-C-A. It's Football Friday. We'll give you our final football pick of the season a little bit later on in the program before we get out of Dodge. Good thing about it is win, lose, or draw. It don't matter. I'm finishing the season with a winning record. 28, 22, and 3 is where I'm at right now. So it doesn't matter what happens on Sunday. I'm going to have a winning season, which is always good to feel better about yourself here. But which one of these teams, more importantly, are going to be the ones feeling better about themselves come Sunday at about, I don't know, 10 o'clock usually is when everything kind of wraps up with the game and all the pomp and circumstance. And look, a lot has been said over the last couple of weeks. I don't know how you feel about it if you are Super Bowled out over these last couple of weeks. I said it the other night, like, to me, the championship games feel like they happened a month ago. Like, I, I, we, I, I just can't wait to play this game. Like, let's get back on the field and finish off this season. There's been way too much of a lull from the last time these clubs were out on the field until now here. So it's good that we have this game now in 48 hours. And, you know, I'm a big nerd when it comes to history and legacies and those type of things, especially with this game. And you're talking about the Super Bowl and what it means and what it could do for you in particular. And this Kansas City team in particular, we know that they're trying for history here, right? There's more on the plate for them than, let's say, San Francisco because they have been here a lot more and won a lot more recently than the 49ers have, right? No team has repeated in two decades since the Patriots did it once upon a time. Chiefs get this game on Sunday. That's number three in five years. San Francisco, it's hard to believe, but, you know, and if you were a kid kind of growing up when I was, you know, in the 80s and getting into football and that type of thing. Like, I mean, San Francisco playing this time of year was almost like par for the course, right? They were the team of the 80s, winning four championships. But they've only won one since then, and that was the Steve Young game back in 1994. So three decades since the 49ers have lifted that trophy. But they've also made appearances in this game over the last decade, right? This is their third. So they're no stranger to this moment. And when you look at this game and how it breaks down and, you know, what team is going to have the upper hand, obviously, this day and age, everything begins and ends with the quarterback position, right? He is the most important player on the team. He's the most important person in team sports, as I like to say. And you can't sit here and bring up legacy and not get into everything that Patrick Mahomes possibly has at stake for this game. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and even try to pretend for a second that if he loses this game Sunday, if he goes out there and he throws, you know, four interceptions and the Chiefs get trounced, that anything is going to tarnish what he's done so far in his career. Absolutely not. You know, he's in a stage right now that all he could do is add to already what is going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame type of career. It's just getting better and better and better. But if you do want to look at some of these little historical significance type of items for this game, there's only been a handful of guys that have won three Super Bowls as a quarterback. And he could be the fifth because you got Brady, you got Montana, you got Troy Aikman, and you got Terry Bradshaw. That's it. You know, people kind of, it's funny, people kind of forget about Troy. It's like, no, Troy's got three. You know, he kind of just like slips under the radar a little bit. No, Troy did some winning. You know, he won three in four years. Let's not forget about that. But when you look at Mahomes and why he's so good in these moments and so good in these games and why, you know, it took until this season for him to essentially have a road playoff start 
for the first time in his career. And by the way, he passed those tests pretty well. And going into Buffalo, going into Baltimore and winning those games. Last four playoff games that Patrick Mahomes has played in, he hasn't turned the football over once. I would say that's pretty damn good. The great Joe Montana. You know, once upon a time when we had these discussions about Brady, Montana, who's better, who's the GOAT, all those things. The thing about Montana, not only was he 4-0 in the Super Bowl, he didn't turn the ball over once. No interceptions in any of those Super Bowl games. And that's what Mahomes has been known to do in these big type of games. But it's weird because you think that ordinarily, if a team does have as much success in these spots like Kansas City has had, that it's all on the shoulder of the quarterback that that's the way they're winning. That's the way they're shredding the opposition and scoring points. Mahomes has not been that guy really during this playoff run. I mean, he's made the plays when he's had to, but he hasn't sat there and, you know, thrown for 5,000 yards or whatever close to in these playoff games. It just hasn't happened. And that's why it's kind of funny to me. And the irony, the more you dig into this game, because, hell, we've had two weeks to, right? All the talk about Brock Purdy being a game manager – And that Patrick Mahomes is the superstar quarterback and the guy that you want and the guy who's going to go out there and throw for all these touchdown passes and that sort of thing and Super Bowl MVP. Okay, that's great. But if you just want to go by this postseason run in particular, Patrick Mahomes has actually been the quarterback that's resembled more the game manager than Brock Purdy. Right? Patrick Mahomes has only thrown for four touchdown passes in these three playoff games so far this year. He's averaged 240 yards a game throwing the ball. 240, this day and age, is nothing to write home about. You know, he hasn't had a 300-yard passing day yet this postseason, but it's been effective. They've won the games. And do you realize in the two Super Bowls that Patrick Mahomes has won? He's averaged 234 yards passing. Like, again, he hasn't had that, like, wow game. Not that that's the end-all, be-all. I mean, ultimately, you want to win the game no matter how you go about accomplishing the task. I mean, think about, you know, Tom Brady and one of the Super Bowl losses he had, the one to the Philadelphia Eagles. How many, what did he throw for, almost 500 yards that day or whatnot? And it wasn't good enough, right? His team did not win. And Kansas City, I think that it's clear, if you've watched this team all season, not just here in this postseason run, it's a different type of offense that they've been operating, right? They don't have to air it out necessarily, maybe to the extent that they used to. The way they win football games and their formula is they play defense and they run the football. Like, you can do that. And it's proven that you can win football games that way, especially if you're playing defense on a high level. And guess what? Kansas City is doing that. That has been the strength of their team all season long. Yeah, I know you got the Hall of Fame quarterback, and that's all well and good. But the defense has been the superior unit of the two sides for this Kansas City Chiefs team all season long. And if you're thinking about this game on Sunday, too, well, they're playing the game in Vegas at that stadium. Chiefs are no strangers to it. Right? They go there every year to play the Raiders. Mahomes is a perfect 4-0 in that building. He's completed 73% of his passes. 313 yards a game, 10 touchdowns, one pick. He's got a quarterback rating of 114. That means something. You know, familiarity with your surroundings. Now, I know it's a different field, and I know there's been a lot of talk about the fields this week and everything, and we'll get into that a little bit later on here. But, you know, knowing that you've played well in a certain building, whatever it is, that stands for something, in my opinion. Go ask a pitcher 
you know, for whatever reason, some pitchers like own particular stadiums, whether it's at home, whether it's on the road, there's a comfort level with a certain mound, a backdrop, you name it. They're just at home there. And I know the Raiders haven't exactly been great during the last four years, right? I, I, I get that. But there is some truth, I think, behind those numbers. Now, what about the other quarterback? The other quarterback is on this stage for the first time. And there have been plenty of quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls their first time appearing in the game. All right, it's not like a necessarily a moment to where, like, they're going to be so nervous and so overcome they're not going to be able to go out there and perform. That's nonsense, right? Guys rise to the, just like Mahomes did once upon a time. First Super Bowl, he won it. But this whole notion of him being a game manager, I, 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 I don't get it. I really and truly don't get it because if you've watched this team all year, especially this season, not, not, not what he did last year where he just did nothing but win up until that championship game when he got hurt. But this year, I mean, the guy was a finalist for the league MVP. I don't know too many game managers who are MVP finalists, right? Because the people that vote on those type of things, like generally speaking, you'd like to think that they watch the games and they know what they're talking about. And when his team needed him the most, right, when they had to make a play, when they were up against it, and if you watch the Niners in these two playoff games this year, Green Bay and the Detroit game, they were trailing in both of those games. They needed comebacks in the fourth quarter. They needed their quarterback. They needed their offense to get a drive and take it down the field to regain control of that football game with their season on the line, mind you. Wasn't Brock Purdy the guy that was making those throws, making those plays, using his legs, and getting the ball in the end zone and helping his team win, right? I mean, look, we talked all about Dan Campbell and how he botched all those calls, maybe being a little too ultra-aggressive in that championship game. All right, great, but if you're down by 17 points, you still have to go out there and make the plays to eat away at that deficit. And the Niners did, led by Brock Purdy. All right, Jimmy Garoppolo... In that game, in that Super Bowl against these Kansas City Chiefs, remember, he had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, couldn't close the deal, couldn't make the plays. Jimmy, to me, more of a game manager than, let's say, Brock Purdy. All you got to do is watch the games. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo won. He won a lot more than he lost in his career. But just in terms of ability, talent, tools, Purdy plays the game a different way. And I think this Niners offense is going to test Kansas City's defense a heck of a lot more than, let's say, Baltimore did in that AFC championship game. Much to all of our surprises, mind you, right? I mean, the Baltimore coaching staff, I think, was out to lunch that day. I don't know what the hell they were thinking, but that's not going to happen with this Niners attack. They have too many weapons, whether it's the quarterback, the running back, tight end, the wide receivers. They are going to find ways to challenge you, right? And Kansas City... The number 20 is going to be big for them from a defensive standpoint. Chiefs are 13-2 and two this year when they allow 20 points or less. When they allow 21 or more, they're 1-4. So if the Niners can crack that 20 number, and for every point they score among that, shoot, you like their chances. That is going to be the key here. I think this is going to be a fun game. I don't know if it's going to go down as like an all-time classic if we're going to be sitting here on Monday talking about this being one of the, you know, the five greatest Super Bowls we've ever seen. I mean, I know that the game that they played four years ago was a competitive game, but I don't think it was a classic. 
right? One team came from double digits down in the fourth quarter, kept people watching, kept you entertained, but I don't think it was like an all-time great game. This could potentially be one of those. I hope it is, right? It's the last football game we're going to get for six, seven months that means anything. Let's go out with a bang, shall we? Want to hear from you. Last one of these we get to do for the season. Let's talk about it. Tell me what you think happens in the game and give me a good reason. Not just because you like the uniforms or, you know, you flip the coin. Good reason. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll give you our official pick in this game, our last one of the season. A little bit later on in the show, right before we get out of Dodge, we'll get that pick in there. We'll talk a little bit of Knicks as, well, they were proved to be mortal, I guess, last night. That you could take eight guys, no matter where they're from, and throw them out there on the court, and sometimes it just ain't going to go in your favor in the NBA. Give the Mavericks full credit for taking advantage of the situation. But what next for this team, which just can't seem to stay healthy because another player is not going to be playing for them tomorrow when they're back in action against the Indiana Pacers. We'll get into all that stuff. How about the owner of the New York Jets at the NFL Honors Party last night giving his thoughts on the season that wasn't for New York? Have some interesting reaction to that. And as I said, plus your calls at 800-919-3776. We come back, though. We'll continue the Super Bowl conversation. And we talked about the quarterbacks and what they got to do. Legacy, we'll throw that term out there again. How about as it pertains to the coaches and what they have riding on each and one of these opportunities coming up on Sunday? Because I think that there is an interesting parallel between these two guys. I'm talking about Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan. Dan Gross' show, it is a football Friday, our last one of the season. Let's have some fun. We rolled to late o'clock. Then it's Rangers hockey right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets but expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. I would probably suggest, and look, it could play out anyway, but I'm sure the Niners are preaching all week long that 
it's probably best to not dig yourself the hole that they have the first two games in this postseason. Maybe start a little bit faster offensively, right? Not come out as flat. I think that that would probably serve them well. On the other side, though, I wonder if they're going to be able to shore up this run defense because that has been exposed here the last couple of weeks. Not exposed, but Packers and Lions just couldn't take advantage of the opportunity. They ran the ball well on the Niners. They just couldn't finish it off, as we know. Kansas City, you know that they have no issues when it comes to running the football. They're not afraid to. My guy, Isaiah Pacheco, is just going to sit there and try to gallop all over them like those other two teams did. And then again, you have a situation where Mahomes is not going to be expected to go out there and have to carve up that secondary. Another, one other thing before we get to the phone calls here that, is, that, that, that bears watching with the Niners, especially if it's a close game. The field goal kicker scares the hell out of me in a big spot, right? Jake Moody's missed four kicks in the last three games. To me, that's four too many. Especially this time of year, the significance playoff games four kicks one of those could end your season so the closer this game goes I'll take Harrison Butker as my guy to make a big kick but we'll see what happens now I mentioned the coaches and how I you know I think that there's actually a parallel between these two guys because I'm going to use that L word again with legacy no different than what it should be for Players, quarterbacks, I think it also applies here for the coaches. Andy Reid is trying for number three. There's only been four coaches that have won three or more. So think about joining that group. Belichick, Knoll, Gibbs, Walsh, and then you could have Andy Reid. And Kyle Shanahan, on the other hand, like his situation and his backstory in these big games has kind of been like close but no cigar. We know what happened four years ago. He had a 10-point lead, couldn't finish it off, lost the game to Kansas City. When he was the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons, he was part of probably the biggest choke job in Super Bowl history, 28-3 against Brady and Belichick. So he has two of those that he has to try to fend off here moving forward, or else they're going to say, well, this is a coach, he's good, but he can't win the big one. And the reason I say that there's a parallel between these two because if you're old enough to remember when Andy Reid was kind of just starting out as a head coach, well, not starting out, but in the early years of his head coaching career, the same things were said about Andy Reid. He took over for Philadelphia. His first year was 98. Do you realize he didn't get to a Super Bowl until 2004? And then he ran into Brady and Belichick, and he lost. That was the one where, you know, Terrell Owens was playing on one leg and Donovan McNabb had too much chunky soup in the huddle, and you had all that thing. But 2004 season, they finally get to a Super Bowl. You know what happened prior to that? Andy Reid lost not one, not two, but three championship games. Two of them, he was at home, and he was the favorite, including the last game ever at Veterans Stadium. Remember when the Bucs went in there and beat them? So everything that people are saying about Kyle Shanahan and that he can't get over the hump just yet they were saying that about Andy Reid how many years 20 plus years ago and isn't it funny how things changed and how it turned it's not that he's not a good coach and he was a bad coach once upon a time no that wasn't the case at all but a lot of things have to factor into ultimately getting to the winner's circle 
So if it doesn't happen for Kyle Shanahan on Sunday and his team loses again, I'm not going to sit here and write him off and say that he's not a good coach and he doesn't know what the hell he's doing and that he's never going to win a Super Bowl. No, all those things could still happen because look at the guy on the other side of the field who's now racking up Lombardi trophies like they're going out of style. And once upon a time, there was talk that he might never be that. Same thing with Bill Cowher. I mean, my God, how many championship games did Bill Cowher lose with the Steelers at home before he finally got that Super Bowl? It's hard, man. It's hard, it's hard. And people just automatically take it for granted and say, yeah, you get to this point that you should win. (laughs) Two teams want to win. Two teams are getting paid to try to win this game. They're not just going to give it to you. All right, let's see what you guys think. 800-919-3776. Let us start it off with our good buddy, Ira in Staten Island, up first here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Ira. How are you? All good, all good. Hope you're good and uh, looking forward to Sunday. And, you know, you look at the matchup and, you know, who knows. But I, I just think the 49ers, I know good teams find ways to win. But I look at the two playoff games they were in, and I think the Packers and Lions handed them both those games. So I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be doing anything like that. I think they're going to run the ball well on the 49ers. And I'm looking at like a 27-17 to 17 type of game. And I think you got to look at Spagnola. I think he's done a really good job. And I think this defense is uh, – I think they're going to be up for the test against the Niners. And so that's for my Super Bowl prediction. And I'll just throw in my Woody comments real quick. Yeah. Listen, he didn't tell us, he didn't tell us anything we didn't know. The one thing that I was surprised – is that he kind of said that uh, the decision makers should have had a better plan to the in case there was a situation with Rogers like it played out, and I was a little surprised he kind of came out publicly and said that. Yeah, I, you know, Ira, it, it's funny too because look, everything is hindsight and revisionist history, and I thank you for the phone call. Enjoy that game on Sunday. I, when I saw the comments last night, you know, and, and we're going to get to them here in just a second, but, you know, Woody Johnson said, you know, we need to go out and get a backup quarterback because we didn't have one last year. And I'm like, well, wait a second. I thought you had three backup quarterbacks. I lost count of how many guys tried to play the position throughout the year. Oh, my gosh. It was like a game of musical chairs, musical quarterbacks. Oh, good times, right? We'll get into the comments by the Jets owner, plus more of your phone calls, 800 919 3776. That is the telephone number. It is a football Friday. Dan Gross' show will roll until 8 o'clock. Then he got Rangers hockey right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So we'll move the Super Bowl stuff aside here for a second because last night the NFL... They had their big red carpet gala, the honors ceremony, where they gave out the individual awards uh, for the year, and they announced the Hall of Fame class for 2024, and we'll save that stuff for a little bit later on. But 
Among those in attendance were the owner of the Jets, Woody Johnson. And he sat there and he talked to the media um, on the red carpet going in for a few minutes and so on and so forth. And, yeah, he had some interesting things to say. I don't know if any of it was revelatory, like as Ira alluded to a couple of minutes ago. Like I think that, you know, if you're a Jet fan, you probably feel somewhat similar to what Woody had to say. But here was Woody talking about um, how does this get better? We're doing a, a lot of different things organizationally to try to get better, make better decisions. You know, we've got to fix our offense. And I think we'll do that. Aaron Rodgers will be back and we'll protect him and – We'll get the flow and get into it. And uh, defense is pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. And it would be better if our offense could do something. You know, that's obvious. All right. My takeaway from that is they have to fix the offense. Right? And, and again, I don't think that's breaking news because if you watch this team, you know, obviously, that that is what has to change. Now, I don't know if we have the bite there. I don't think we do. But, you know, because Woody did a couple of sit down, you know, he talked to a couple of different media people yesterday and one of the things he said was as far as what they have to add he said a guard a couple tackles and a wide receiver so yeah that pretty much sums it all up I would agree with that you know if the Jets are able to check off those boxes somewhere along the way this offseason whether it's the draft free agency trades I would say that they filled needs now you got to hope that they're the right players and that they could stay healthy and they're going to produce and you know they come in as as advertised but Easier said than done, right? And you got to have some luck to it, too, because as we know, this past year, they had none when it came to guys trying to stay healthy on that side of the football. Woody was also asked, how confident is he in his head coach, Robert Sala? He's going to be a lot better head coach. You know, one thing about head coaches, you get better as, as you get more experience. And, you know, he's going to concentrate on offense. You know, he's got Jeff to kind of do the defense, and we've got good special teams. It's offense, 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 as I've said. Get the quarterback, get him moving, you know, get the line moving, you know, get the, uh, you know, work on the run and, and do all that, all that that you have to do to win. But you can't do one thing. You have to do it all. It's not just one player. Now, that's interesting. So Robert Sala is going to concentrate on the offense, even though his background is in defense, which, look, I, 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 I get it, okay? You're a football coach. You're a coach. You're supposed to and, – and, and the one thing that I do agree with that statement is that if you're a head coach, you need to be the head coach of the entire team. Like, nothing drives me crazier than when we see these head coaches that parade around as kind of glorified coordinators, right, that don't have any, any interest in even pretending – to maybe deal with the opposite side of the football that they preoccupy themselves with. Like, for example, these two coaches in the game coming up on Sunday. Ironically enough, they're both offensive coaches and Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan. You don't often see Andy Reid getting involved in the defense much because he leaves that to Steve Spagnola, And you sure as hell don't see Kyle Shanahan worrying about the defense much also. But, yeah, I'm all for a coach that's going to be a little bit more heavy-handed in all avenues of his football team because I think that that's the way you should go about it. Now, I don't know if it's going to lead to results, but what I also read from that statement is, and I don't know if it's true or not necessarily, but is Woody Johnson saying that? Because, look, they've had meetings already. They've already broken down what went wrong in 2023, how they could fix it for 2024. By him saying that he's going to be more involved in the offense – is that some sort of an indirect shot at Nathaniel Hackett? And that they're going to now give him some help and bring in more pieces to the offensive side of the coaching staff just because they do not want to have a repeat performance of what took place a year ago 
with a with a unit that was among the worst in the National Football League. Right, and you can make all the excuses from here to kingdom come about why it didn't work and you lost Aaron Rodgers and all those other things, but we've talked about it all along the way. It still shouldn't have been that bad, right? It's not like there was nothing to work with. You got a great running back. You got a great wide receiver. You got a tight end who could catch the football. It shouldn't have been that bad. Not when you see a team like the Cleveland Browns win double-digit games, go to the playoffs, bring Joe Flacco off the couch. I mean, remember, the Browns started five quarterbacks this year. Five. They lost their two tackles, Pro Bowl tackles, to season-ending injuries. And yet they found a way to make it work, lost their all-world running back, found a way to get it done. So enough with the excuses. Go out there and produce. Because I think it's about time, and I think if you're a fan, you probably feel exactly the same way. 13 years is too long, way too long. Lastly, Woody was asked about the experience of that fateful night on September the 11th, watching Aaron Rodgers crumble to that turf at MetLife Stadium. How painful was that for you, Woody? Going down with all the excitement. There's been so much excitement all What does it feel like having your arm chopped off? <laughs> Not good, I would say. Yeah, yeah, you can have some guys. Yeah. Well, Brian Costello thought getting your arm chopped off was a little funny there as he chuckled. No, but, you know, again, we don't have to relive all that. <laughs> it was awful. And I think to a man, and if you followed this team for the better part of your life, you probably figured at that point, four plays into the season, that this year was not going to unfold the way that you thought that it was going to, right? As simple as that. Now, as far as those awards that were given out last night for the NFL, number I, I, look, I didn't have too big of a problem with them, really. Um, I thought the T.J. Watt probably should have gotten Defensive Player of the Year over Miles Garrett, but didn't happen. I was a little surprised Kevin Stefanski was the coach of the year. I would have given it to D'Amico Ryans for what he did down there in Houston. I mean, nobody thought Houston was going to be a playoff team this year, much less the division champion and, and everything that they did. So Houston, how about that? Two years in a row now, you got a team. The Texans pulled off what the Jets did last year. You have the offensive and defensive rookie of the years with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. So the future is bright for that squad there. The one that was kind of a head-scratcher, to be real, was the Comeback Player of the Year award because they gave it to Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, like – what did he come back from? I, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, Joe Flacco, if he never played a down of football this year, he's another dude whose legacy is secure. The guy is a Super Bowl MVP. One time in this universe, he was the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. Like, he won a lot of games. He had a great career. You know what? The Ravens are probably going to retire his number one day. He is legacy-secured. Not a Hall of Famer, but, you know, he had a really, really good career. Validated that first-round draft choice once upon a time. So, for him to win Comeback Player of the Year, he, he was a backup quarterback for the Jets, and at times even a third-string quarterback for the Jets in 2022. Nobody signed them. And in November, the Browns gave him a call and said, hey, Joe, you want to come in because we've, we're losing quarterbacks left and right. So he got up off the couch. And he came in and he won a few games and helped the Browns go to the playoffs. I could see if Joe Flacco, okay, if Deshaun Watson went down in, let's say, September and they called Joe Flacco, 
and he won the majority of their football games this year, I could say, all right, he's a worthy recipient of Comeback Player of the Year. But he kind of just came in at the very end. You know, he wasn't coming back from an injury or anything. Now, DeMar Hamlin, it's not like he was a mainstay for the Buffalo Bills this year. Like, he only, I think, dressed for maybe, what, four or five games or something like that? Like, he didn't play all that much either. But the essence of comeback player of the year, DeMar Hamlin literally came back from the dead. Okay? I'm I'm not exaggerating. We all saw what happened. We knew what happened. I mean, if, if there was an award that you could you could already start to engrave the recipient on the trophy before we even played a down of football this year. It should have been DeMar Hamlin for comeback player of the year. He went from the dead to the living. That doesn't happen. Joe Flacco was a nice story, but he's not the comeback player of the year. And maybe they have to look to maybe create an extra one. And look, I'm sure that the league would love to do it because it's a made-for-TV production. It's a big award ceremony. It's another award to give out. Take up more time. Sell commercials. Sell advertisements. Come up with, like, a most improved player or a, you know, most out-of-left-field type of an award or something like that. But Joe Flacco's not the comeback player of the year. He's got maybe, like, a year left playing football, if that. He's 40 years old. Like, what is he coming back from? Guys had a great career. There was no injury the year before. I, I just, I don't know. Whatever. Maybe it's just me. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let us say hi to Jose. He is in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Jose. How are you? Good evening, Mr. Grager. Shout out to the company, as usual. And just wanted to, you know, check in on this last football, you know, Friday. and It's bittersweet, you know, isn't it, Jose? It, it stinks oh, okay. a little bit, right? You know what? Uh, it, 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 it does stink because I am a football fan, but I am, you know, happy to finally kick this, you know, horrible Jets season down the road. So I got two points: one about the Jets, and one about the football, about the Super Bowl Sunday coming up. Um, one with the Jets. It, it, it was funny to hear all of the Woody thing because it's just like, um, yeah, no, it's like. Doug, like we knew we needed a backup quarterback. It's something that we've said since you know the fourth the fourth play of the you know of the season. But you know, and to and and it only you know could could only and I could see why certain Jeff fans would be infuriated, you know, by the comments because it's like, dude, you're the owner. You knew this from the very beginning. We've been talking about it, you know, all throughout sports talk radio and throughout the media. We've been. It, 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 it's something that could have been done way a long time ago, and you're just going to try to convince us that you know, oh, you know, oh, shucks, we should have had a better, better backup quarterback. Come on, um, it's a joke. So, for as far as for the football game, I'm not going to say that the Niners are going to win because I don't want to bet against Mahomes, but I am definitely rooting for the Niners because the whole. Well, what is it? What's that word? Polarization of yeah. uh, of Brock Purdy. It, it's gotten so ridiculous to a point where people have boxed themselves into such a bad corner where I'm just like, 
you want me to believe that it's all the other weapons and he's throwing it behind the line of scrimmage and they're just, you know, being Barry Sanders and just making all these great plays. I'm like, I've seen enough highlights and enough plays to know he can break away from defenders and, 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 and break off a large scramble. I've seen enough plays to know that he can throw enough deep balls to actually, you know, get – get it across the field. It's kind of insane. And I think Rick um, DiPietro hit it on the morning in the port, uh, um, pretty much on a bullseye, which was it's kind of sounding like a lot of people are just upset because they missed on the fact that, you know, what every college pretty much analyst kind of pretty much predicted, which was he's a pretty good solid quarterback and put in the right situation. He could actually thrive and succeed. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So and I want to thank you for having a great, a great one, Mr. Graza. Jose, you'll be good. My friend, enjoy the game. Um, and to that point, all right. Yeah. It's great to have scheme to be coached up, to be able to have weapons. You could distribute the football to, but as the quarterback, you still have to go out there and deliver the ball and make the plays, and that does take ability, okay? Case in point, and I'm going to bring it back to the Jets. How many times this year, after another lackluster subpar performance by the Jet offense, did we sit here, whether it was after the game, the next day, whatever it was, talking about, well, there were guys running wide open down the field. Go watch the film. Look at this guy running free in the secondary, Garrett Wilson or whoever it was, and the ball was never delivered. Quarterback still has to do that. And as we know, it didn't happen enough here this past season for this particular football team. I take nothing away from Brock Purdy. Everything he is doing, he is deserving. And he should deserve credit for the plays that he has made and for the season that he's had and really for the career he's had so far in his first two years in the National Football League. Because what did I talk about with four years ago in the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo? Okay, that was a game manager. That was a guy who, as we found out on the biggest stage with a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, could not make the plays when he had to to help his team win a championship. The other guy on the other team did, as we know, and he's done it time and time and time again, and that's why he won that game. I think in a similar situation, Brock Purdy will make those plays because more often than not, he has. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Speaking of the postseason, it's going to look a little different but same for 2024, and we got to get into the Knicks situation as they head into the weekend now with three games left before the All-Star break, and they're trying, trying to even just get enough healthy players out onto the court to be able to make it to the All-Star break. Grasso Show, till 8, then it's Rangers Hockey, 98.7 ESPN. As far as the Knicks are concerned, last night wasn't their night. You kind of knew that was probably going to be the case because they had eight available bodies. And those guys tried, right? They did the best they could. But you're not going to win too many games when the Charlie Browns of the world are going out there and having to play some minutes for you. There's only so much you can ask the starters to do, and you're missing your two All-Stars. You're missing... Now, that was his teacher, right? So is that Tibbs? That's Tibbs. That sounds like Tibbs. I mean, he might as well have been sounding like that to the guys last night because it wasn't going to make a difference. You know, and look, it takes two to tango. Give the Mavericks credit for coming in last night and actually taking the game seriously and not going through the motions, and they did what they were supposed to do against the team that has Charlie Brown out there playing for them. But that's not the norm for the Knicks, right? 
That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it looked once upon a time, right, when you'd be sitting there watching Knicks games and watching dudes running up and down the floor who might as well have been Charlie Brown because that was the best you could hope for, but not anymore. We've graduated. You know, this is a different team with different expectations. The crummy part about it is it's almost a tease with all these injuries and because of all these injuries because you want to see this roster at its fullest, and it means getting healthy. But now when you have the 9, 10 guys that are going to be able to go out there and Tibbs is going to trust and Tibbs is going to play, thanks to Leon Rose and the guys that he brought into this basketball team, like you just want to see them go out there and do their thing. Now, it never ends, though, really. And, like, I don't know if they can make some sort of an agreement with the league to try to get the all-star break here faster than when it's originally scheduled because Isaiah Hartenstein couldn't finish last night's game, right? He sat the second half, and now we get word that he's not playing tomorrow against the Indiana Pacers. But Jalen Brunson is questionable, at least. So you get Brunson back, but you lose Ihart. So it still doesn't really all help you out that much. But you are going to get your two new players available tomorrow, at least they should be, talking about Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. So little by little, this thing is coming together. But Julius, healthy Jalen, OG Ananobi, Mitchell Robinson. Hell, we can even throw Jericho Sims' name into the mix. You want to see this team as it's intended to be. Because right now, you look at the Eastern Conference, and it kind of drives you crazy because this team could do some damage on that side of the ledger. Everybody's got issues right now that at least the Knicks are dealing with in contention, right? Philadelphia doesn't have Embiid for good for, for who knows how long. Milwaukee's got some things that they're trying to work. Like, think about that for a second, right? Milwaukee's had to fire the coach. They've got talent. You might say they're a little top-heavy, but they've got all-world players. But think of what the Knicks have had to make do with, with all the injuries that they've had and guys that have missed games. And yet the Knicks and the Bucks are dead even in the Eastern Conference standings. And that says a lot about this team. It says a lot about the way that Tibbs has coached them. And if he could just get them some help, and if he could just get them some healthy bodies, who knows where this thing could go. Because if I said to you right now that on April 1st, the Knicks are sitting in the two spot in the Eastern Conference, would you really think that was crazy? Not me. And I don't think you should think in those terms any longer about this club. And I'm going to keep saying it because I was saying it before the All-Star break. Give Leon Rose some credit here. He's done an unbelievable job. An unbelievable job putting this team together. And while you may feel or some of you might feel that they still need to go out there and chase the big game and get the big fish and whoever that superstar player might be, I want to see this group as is intended and see how far it can go. Because I think you can have some fun with this. The Knicks going to the conference finals is not some pie-in-the-sky scenario any longer. And dare I say, it might even be somewhat expected. Right? But they got to get healthy. And they got to stay healthy on top of that. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Hey, shout-out to... um. Our old buddy Billy Epler, who was suspended by Major League Baseball. I know suspended might not be the word that they used specifically, but he's not going to be involved in baseball for the 2024 season. 
He has been placed on the ineligible list through the end of 2024 for violating baseball's rules regarding injured list placements, including the deliberate fabrication of injuries. So he fabricated the injured list, which he kind of knew was the case. And baseball did their investigation. The Mets cooperated. Epler cooperated. And uh, now he's not going to have a job in baseball for 2024. But once the World Series rolls around postseason, he can reapply and, you know, we'll see if he lands on his feet. But, but what, what, what a strange, strange sequence of events. Because you knew that the Mets were going to be in a little bit of transition, right, with David Stearns climbing aboard. But we were led to believe that Billy Epler was going to stick around and be the quote-unquote GM still. But David Stearns was going to have final say on all baseball-related matters, only to find out that Billy Epler's out, that he resigned. And we didn't know why. We thought that maybe after further conversation that the two thought it would be best to go their separate ways, that maybe Billy Epler was not going to have as much influence or role in the organization, and maybe he could land on his feet someplace else to where he could get the job that he wants. No, nope, turns out that he was a bad boy, and he was doing things that you weren't supposed to be doing when it came to uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff there. But another year in baseball, Pitchers and catchers next week, if you can believe it. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. What's the – yeah, I was thinking about this. Like, what's the appetite right now in this city for baseball? Like, where's the excitement level if you're a Met fan, you're a Yankee fan for this upcoming season? Because we're getting ready to say goodbye to football coming up on Sunday. So now you got to turn the page. Like, basketball, it's going to be a fun spring because the Knicks are something, if they can stay healthy. Rangers having a great season. They could also make a deep run through the spring. Who knows about the Devils and the Islanders? I mean, the Nets forget about it. So you have the teams that play at Madison Square Garden that are going to keep our interest at least for a few more months. But baseball running around. I know the Yankees made some big acquisitions this offseason, starting with Juan Soto. Mets have kind of, you know, lying in the weeds. One-year deal here, one-year one year deal there. Right, low risk, high reward acquisitions. I think Sean Manaya is the only guy that they signed to more than a one year deal, and he got a two year deal. So I think Met fans are realistic in thinking that this is probably one of these transition seasons for them. Yankees, they're expected to win. Nothing more, nothing less. They are expecting to win. And especially coming off of the season that they had last year, they better win. Or there are going to be some changes. Bobby's in Belmore. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Bobby. How are you? Hey, Dan. How are you? Good, uh, Bob. Listen, uh, good, good. This genius general manager for the Yankees. I mean, he turned down Burns for Spencer Jones. I mean, well, I guess you'd rather have a Strowman, a guy who hasn't thrown 140 innings in the last two years, with an eight ERA in his last 11 starts last year. I mean, back in 2019, it's like deja vu. I mean, Jared Cole was there for the taking. He didn't want to give up two prospects to Andrew Arn Frazier, and it cost him a trip to the World Series. I, I think he's, he thinks he has this delusional thing. He wants to keep his prospects to build a core for, you know, like G. Michael and Bob Watson. I don't understand how he cannot get an ace. I thought he was all in it, but apparently the Yankees aren't all in it. Well, isn't Garrett Cole an ace, though, Bobby? Excuse me? Isn't Garrett Cole an ace? But they could have traded for him in 2019. And you know, but yeah, he's is, but the Yankees don't have enough starting pitching. I mean, look at the look at the, the situation. I mean, Cortez hasn't been healthy since the twenty twenty two ACLS. They had two rotator cuff strains. It could who knows, he might need surgery. Um, Stroman's been hurt all of last year, you know, second half last year. I and think the, the, the rotation's Rodan. a question mark. 
I I, I agree what, with you a thousand percent. But why couldn't it get Burns? But I mean, this guy I already have Dominguez coming back to July. You don't need another outfielder. Why couldn't he make that deal? Well, that here's the thing, and Bob, thanks thanks a lot for the phone call. Here's the thing. I don't know exactly what Milwaukee would have wanted from the Yankees in terms of prospect capital, but Baltimore has the number one farm system in the major leagues. Think about this. They made the trade, gave up a couple of good young prospects too, guys who are going to play pretty soon, like major league ready type guys, and they still, even giving up those guys to Milwaukee to get Burns, they still have the number one farm system in baseball. They are extremely rich in terms of talent. And the scary thing about the Orioles, right, they went ahead and made this move when the new owners green-lighted the transaction. Because remember, Corbin Burns comes along. He's still going to make, I think, something, is it $16 million this year? This is his final year of team control arbitration. I thought it was maybe $16 million. But that being said, even with that contract and with that addition, Baltimore's payroll is still under $100 million for the season. That's the other part of this whole thing, Right. If, they would have, if the Yankees would have taken on Corbin Burns, that's more money you're tacking onto the list, and they're going to be very, very mindful of that tax number that they probably don't want to shoot past. Because, look, a guy like Burns is probably going to be a rental even for the Orioles. Boris guy, he's going to want his money, might take him elsewhere. But with the Yankees, look, Yankees tried to get Yamamoto, didn't work. They offered him a lot of money, didn't take it. A lot of people thought he was going to end up a Yankee. But them not getting, let's say, Corbin Burns, them not getting Yamamoto, what this does, in my opinion, for the Yankees is this puts them in the driver's seat, I think, to be able to retain Juan Soto. Because you weren't going to be able to have more than one long-term contract as far as that you're signing up for after this next season. And that would have happened with the pitcher if he was here. But now with Soto, you don't got to worry about that with the additional guys you already have on your payroll for years to come. I think Soto's a Yankee for many, many years to come. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. More of your calls. We'll make our Super Bowl 58 prediction before we get out of Dodge as well. Grasso Show till 8 on a football Friday. Then it's Rangers Hockey, 98.7 ESPN. So I mentioned the playoffs that next year in the National Football League, how they're going to look a little similar but a little different than what we just witnessed in January. And what I'm talking about is, and I don't want to disappoint people, because I'm could. i, I I'm, I'm envisioning the collective groans coming from wherever you are right now, if you haven't heard the news. And that is that there is going to be a playoff game, once again, that will be a stream-only vehicle in 2024. Yeah, even the fans of NHL 94, same thing. But what's different about it is it's not going to be a Peacock vehicle. So if you're anti-Peacock, you don't have to worry. It's going to be an Amazon Prime vehicle or a Prime video. So it'll be Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, good old Prime, Steve Jobs, got a playoff game. You figure that was going to happen, right? Prime Video, who spends all that money for the Thursday Night Football package, they see Peacock get exclusive rights to a playoff game. You mean to tell me that they weren't going to go, quiet, or that they were going to go quietly into the night? and not demand that, hey, why can't we get our own playoff game? Well, they got their own playoff game. So next year, Prime Video, don't know what game it's going to be or what slot it's going to be, but there will be one again that is stream only. But you have that already. I don't see – I don't think that the Prime is going to be kind of universally (laughs) – 
bemoaned like Peacock because people have prime video. You're watching Thursday night football all season. The Peacock stuff, there was like no reason to get it at all except for that game. Although you did have that one exclusive on that Saturday in December, right? Was it like Bills Chargers? That was Peacock. And I got news for you. I guarantee you in 2020, what is that, the next year, 2025, I bet you ESPN Plus will have the exclusive rights to a playoff game. It's just, it's par for the course. It's it's the way we are now in this world. Consuming media, consuming sports. That is the bottom line. Before I get back to the calls real quick, one other thing from last night with that award ceremony for the NFL, and you guys know I'm all geeked up when it comes to Hall of Fames and things like that. They announced the Hall of Fame class for the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2024. Julius Peppers, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Patrick Willis, and Dwight Freeney. Randy Gratisher and Steve McMichael were the Veterans Committee candidates, and they got in here. Number one, I've gone back and forth about the Devin Hester angle. Um, I know that he was the best to do it in the return game, but do we really need a guy who was just a returner in the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, like, is, is that worthy of Hall of Fame? Now, you could say, well, we got a punter in the Hall of Fame, got a kicker in the Hall of Fame, got a couple of kickers in the Hall of Fame. And there's probably going to be one or two more that find their way before all is said and done. But I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of like 50-50 about the Devin Hester getting included into the Hall of Fame. My point being this. The one glaring omission for me last night, how in God's name is Antonio Gates not a first ballot Hall of Famer? Right? I, I mean, we, we all watched his career. Seriously. You think this guy is the all-time touchdown leader for tight ends. More than Kelsey, more than Tony Gonzalez, more than any other of these guys that you want to throw into the conversation. Antonio Gates, to me, and remember, he was a guy who was a former basketball player at Kent State. He was the first of this kind of new wave version of the tight end that is pretty much commonplace now in the NFL. That it's not necessarily so much that they're blockers. It's like they're glorified wide receivers. Tony or Antonio Gates was that guy. You know, Gonzalez was more of a complete tight end because he could get, you know, more in line with the blocking and this and that, and he was an unbelievable, you know, pass catcher as well. I guess you could say Kellen Winslow was that guy once upon a time back in the 80s with the Chargers. You know, he was special and wasn't exactly um, as well-rounded and big, and, you know, he was kind of more sleek and, and almost like a bigger wide receiver. But the modern game right now, which is pretty much like all you see, Gates was the first of that kind, right? And for him not to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, we know he's going to get in, but it's just like, what are they doing? And that's where I have the problem with, like, a Devin Hester, for example. Like, you mean to tell me we're going to put a return guy in the Hall of Fame compared to one of the biggest weapons in the passing game for his generation in the history of the NFL? I don't, I don't get it. I really, really don't get it. But I wasn't in the room, had no say on it. What can I do? And by the way, our good buddy Eli Manning is going to be up for induction next year. His first crack at it in the Hall of Fame. I think Eli ultimately finds his way in. I've said it all along. There's only a handful of guys who have two Super Bowl MVP trophies, and he's one of them. I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I do think that he ultimately will be in the Hall of Fame. And that happens next year. Let's say hi to Artie in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7. Hello, Art. How are you? Hey, can I ask you something? Man? Of course. All right. I mean, it's enough now, I'm a Jet fan, okay? 
But then we get the richest owner in baseball, right? And then we needed a center fielder and a catcher. Real Muto was there and Springer was there. We didn't get that. And then the reason why we didn't get him is that, you know, Steve didn't want to, like, go all out the first year. You know, he had a bad name as one of these guys that's going to come. Let, let, let me just, like, ease into it. I don't want it. Yeah, yeah, we got the money. Why are we going second level? Okay, that goes. Then we show the real Cohen. I thought it was the real Cohen. When he goes, Farlander, Scherzer. Right? We didn't win. Fine. What does that mean? You stop? Did the Dodgers stop? They went out and got Otani as a guy that you should have gotten. How are you getting out bids? Yeah, but Art, 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 last year, and and thanks for the phone call, buddy. I got to hit a break. Remember, last offseason, the Dodgers didn't do much. The Dodgers laid low last winter, and they kind of reset the tax a little bit because they knew that this offseason – it would be Otani, it would be Yamamoto, and what happened? They ended up getting both guys. That, to me, is what the Mets are doing this time around. Okay, they went all in with the old guys. It didn't work. Steve Cohen said, ah, well, you know what? I'm just going to keep throwing money out the window if it's not going to yield results. So they've made – look, there's no, look at it this way, guys. Wise man once said there's no bad one-year deals. And essentially, that's what the Mets have done the entire offseason. If it doesn't work out, boom, they're gone. No long-lasting relationship. Mets are kind of resetting because next season's free agent class is loaded. You got Juan Soto. You got Alex Bregman, Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler. What about Pete Alonzo? You going to pay Pete Alonzo? Um, Walker Bueller from the Dodgers, even though he's off Tommy John surgery, he is a free agent. Okay? There are a lot, a lot of impact players that are going to be available next winter in baseball. And with the payroll coming down a little bit, and having that money to spend, Steve Cohen's going to throw a lot of it at some of those dudes. He has to. Wes in New Jersey, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Wes. How are you? I'm doing well, Dan. How you doing tonight? You know, I was Excellent. calling about baseball, but, you, but you're talking about the Chargers and Antonio Gates getting shut out. Man, that is crazy, crazy. on the first ballot. And I, don't, I just don't understand it. But anyway, uh, so I was calling about baseball. You know I'm a Braves fan. But I think about it from the Yankees standpoint. They won a, a championship so bad, but there's something about them just needing to get to an, an ALCS that the season becomes so long when you're only thinking about the playoffs, but they do have a new shiny toy with Soto, so I think there's some excitement that wouldn't be there if they hadn't got that shiny toy. But as a Braves fan, man, I'm just waiting, and I'm nervous because the Dodgers are loaded. Uh, but I'm excited about the season, so I just wanted to chime in on that. So I appreciate you taking the call. And hope you enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend, bud. Wes, same to you, brother, as always. Uh, it's Look, I think the anticipation will pick up here in a little bit, another month or so. But, you know, look, spring training is kind of a needless exercise for fans, unless you're down there in Florida. But from up here, you just want the season to start for real. Spring training baseball is tough to watch. I watch like maybe about an inning or two of it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, spring training. And then, and then wake me when the season starts. And I think that's how most fans kind of treat it. Boy, what a weird night. Football Friday, our last one of the year. Going into the Super Bowl, and we've had more calls tonight about baseball, <laughs> baseball, than the freaking Super Bowl. I can't figure it out. 800-919-3776. We'll continue the conversation. And when we come back, we will make our final, final pick 
of the NFL season, Super Bowl 58. We tell you what's going to happen. Grasa Show, we go till the top, then it's Rangers hockey right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Chiefs and Niners coming up on Sunday. Harvey, if you could just kill the music, I'll call for it in just a second here. I want to get Mike from Westchester up, see what his thoughts are in this game coming up on Sunday. Michael, how are you? Hey there, Dan. Great show. Love your work. Thanks, Mike. What's going so, on? Hey, I have a, I have a, 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 a little bit of a different perspective uh, on, the, on the whole game manager uh, branding that we've uh, put, on, put on Brock Purdy. I can think of two multiple most valuable player Super Bowl quarterbacks who were the most brilliant of game managers, Bart Starr and Joe Montana. Very different systems, very different coaching styles, but they were a part of conceived systems that, that they operated and executed flawlessly. So, and, you know, very different, though. Bill Walsh, of course, was the innovator of the West Coast offense. Right. And Joe Montana absolutely crushed managing and maintaining that, that system. I, never, I hardly remember him never throwing an interception. Well, and, 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 he was, not, and he was great in the big games, Mike, more than anything. Absolutely. And I got to run because I got to get the end of the show here. But I thank you for the phone call. The Bart Starr situation, remember, the only reason I'd be a little hesitant to make the comparison between those two guys. Now, look, Starr won as much as anybody, especially in the big game, right? Lost one playoff game in his life. He and Lombardi won the first two Super Bowls. Different era, though, in football where they weren't throwing it as much. Not even close to what they do now, right? But flair for the dramatic, not fading when the lights got too bright, those guys had it. And the Montana-Walsh partnership was just, you know, perfect. You, you can't say it any better. And then when Steve Young took over for John Montana, same thing, even though Bill Walsh was gone. But Steve Young was a sensational fit for that West Coast offense, right? And he won that. Remember, when Steve Young won that Super Bowl in 94, his offensive coordinator was none other than Mike Shanahan, whose son Kyle could also help lead the 49ers to a Super Bowl championship. Funny how that works. Harvey, for the last time this year, the final time I need to hear that music for NFL picks. Here we go. One game left. We have gotten to the last stop on the trip. Niners, Chiefs, Vegas on Sunday. As I said at the beginning of the show, win, lose, or draw. 28, 22, and 3 for the season. So I'm going to have a winning year regardless of what happens Sunday. I went 1 1 on Championship Sunday a couple of weeks back. I'll make this simple. Normally, I like to say, I'll take the team over the great player. Hell, that's what I did on Championship Sunday when I picked the Ravens and their team over Patrick Mahomes didn't really work out that well for me I'm convinced even though I picked the Niners to win the whole thing back at the beginning of the year I can't go against Patrick Mahomes not in his spot not in his situation like I said he hasn't turned the football over at all the last few games he's not even throwing for three four hundred yards a game in these spots but he finds a way to do it he's got the best defense he's ever had and he's gonna win his third Super Bowl 
coming up on Sunday. I don't care what line you want to use. If it's one and a half, if it's two in favor of the Niners, I don't care. Give me those couple of points. Kansas City 23, San Francisco 20 is going to be our score. Harvey, you got a pick? What do you got? Steve Spagnuolo is on the Hall of Fame track right now in this postseason, so I'm going to go Chiefs 30, 49ers 17. He ain't getting in as an assistant coach, but I hear what you're saying. He's racking up those Super Bowl rings like they're going out of style, though. That is it for us. This was a good football Friday show. I'm sticking around for Rangers. That comes up next. Blue shirt hockey. Grass is saying so long on 98.7 ESPN.